The Rays Radio Network proudly presents This Week in Rays Baseball. Here's your host, Neil Solons. Thanks so much for joining us on the podcast today. Our latest program focuses on the moves the Rays made regarding protecting players from the Rule 5 draft. The Rays made five additions and obviously had to make subtractions as well to make room. We're going to have three interviews on this podcast. General Manager Peter Bendix will join us. He'll discuss all the moves the Rays made and kind of give us a breakdown of each. And we'll also chat with two pitchers who've been added to the 40-man roster. One is the Rays' top young pitching prospect, that is Taj Bradley. And we'll also hear from Colby White, who in 2021 was reliever of the year in the Rays' minor league system, and this year went through Tommy John surgery and is in the midst of his rehab, yet still was added to the 40-man, which says something about him and the way the Rays think of him. Now, for a full recap of what the Rays did, you can check out our blog, raysradio.mlblogs.com. The Rays did, of course, add five players. Again, the five players added were Taj Bradley and Curtis Mead, really their top two prospects. And Curtis is in Australia right now, and we'll probably hear from him on a future podcast. In addition to that, the Rays added Colby White, who we mentioned, as well as infielders Oslavis Basabe and Greg Jones, both with very different tools, but both extremely athletic. Now, to make room for those players, Tampa Bay decided to DFA Ryan Yarbrough, uh, and the Rays have a lot of depth in terms of bulk pitching, and Ryan was coming off a tough year, and I thought he more than likely was going to be non-tendered if not traded, so that move certainly made sense. They also moved two right-handed relievers who were both out of options, electing to hold on to Sean Armstrong, who probably is a little more durable and had a little more success in terms of this past year than both Javi Guerra, who was designated, and JT Shagwa, who was moved to the Marlins along with Xavier Edwards, and we'll get to that for a couple of minor leaguers. Um, those were probably some of the major moves. Uh, uh, more on the perimeter, the Rays did designate for assignment Bly Madris, who never appeared in the majors with the Rays, was acquired off waivers from the Pirates near the end of the season. And then uh, the players the Rays got back, they got a couple of young pitchers in the Marlins deal who don't have to be protected. Uh, they traded Miles Masturboni to the Cubs for a minor league pitcher who also doesn't have to be protected and added a young outfielder uh, in a deal for Brett Wisely, who the Rays probably were going to be unable to protect in the Rule 5 draft. And what this does is it kind of fortifies some of the lower levels of the minor league system so the Rays have that constant funnel and pipeline of players coming through. Um, that's kind of a general overview of what the Rays did. I didn't think there were any major surprises. I think generally what you're speaking about is this is just a checkpoint of the offseason. I think the major moves for the Rays in terms of getting ready for 2023 are still to come. Most of these, I wouldn't say, are at the periphery, but they're certainly not the headlines that I think will have a, a much larger impact on the 2023 season. Uh, a little bit later to come. But right now we chat with Peter Bendix, who now joins us. And Peter, if you could give us again an idea or an overview of what took place in those last 24 to 48 hours uh, before uh, you had to announce your decisions. Well, uh, it was a it was a busy period for sure. Um, and that tends to happen when there's deadlines. And 
I think that we were, we made a bunch of moves that I think are going to help us over, you know, the next year to, to multiple years. And I think we were able to add some young arms that we like to, to a system where we could really use some additional pitching depth. We were able to kind of repurpose some of our middle infield depth into areas um, within our system that has a little bit more need. And then, you know, at the end of the day, you, you can only protect 40 guys and we had to make some tough decisions on on the edges of the roster with um, with having to add a, a bunch of players from our system that we like very much and having to make some hard choices on players to remove as well. Why don't we get into the players that you added? I would guess the slam dunks were Taj Bradley uh, and Curtis Mead right off the bat. I mean, those two are, are two of our, our best prospects, and they've been ex- exceptionally impressive, especially in the last year. And so we're, we're really excited that they're on the cusp of the big leagues. And, uh, you know, there was never any doubt about adding them to the roster. And I think that um, those two are going are gonna to factor in for us, hopefully early on, starting next season. We're going to hear from Taj later on in, in the podcast, but how close is he and how close is Curtis Mead in your mind? Both of them finished the year in AAA and put up strong numbers and had great reports. So I think they're going to be able to come into spring training and compete. You know, Curtis is a great all-around player who's potentially special bat, and we could always use more all-around players who have, you know, good offensive tools. And Taj Bradley has all the ingredients of being a top-of-the-rotation starter. They're both really young. And I think that's an important part to remember with their development. They still have a lot of development in front of them, but they showed us this past year that they can compete at the highest levels in the minor leagues. They'll come into spring training and they'll, they'll compete for the big leagues. The three other players you added are probably a little further away. And maybe that's not fair on Colby White, who was the reliever of the year in 21, but he's coming off Tommy John surgery. How is his rehab going and how difficult was it a decision based on the fact that you don't, you may not know quite when he's ready to pitch, at least at the big league level? Yeah, that was a little bit unique just because of his rehab timeline. Rehab is going really well. Um, I think we're, we're hopeful that he could get back into games if all goes well early on next season. He hasn't thrown off of a mound yet, though, and that's normal for this point in his rehab, but that's an important step. Um, and we saw what Colby could do. He touched all four levels of our minor league system in one season in 2021, which is virtually unprecedented. And he was unhittable at each level. He's got really good stuff. He's got great demeanor out there on the mound and think he could be a high-end reliever. So we didn't want to leave him unprotected and, and risk losing him in the Rule 5 draft. How much of that is based on what you hear from other teams? I would assume teams inquire about guys because you did move some guys who were Rule 5 eligible. Yeah, there's a lot of discussions that happen, especially over the last couple of days leading up to this deadline. And it's certainly uh, trying to figure out how other teams are going to behave and whether or not a player might get selected in the Rule 5 is a component of this. But at the end of the day, you really want to pick your best 40 players in whatever ways that you can and protect them and try not to play too many games. Well, the two players you added in addition to that uh, had not played above A. Let's start with Oslavis Basabe. I think he really emerged this year and had a great season. He really did. He opened a lot of eyes this year. He is a athletic, dynamic player on the infield who can make contact with just about any pitch and hits the ball really hard. His offensive ingredients are 
are potentially special with his back control and his ability to really manipulate the barrel. And he's a solid infielder who who does a lot of things really well and took some really big steps forward this year. So we're we're really excited about the progress that he made. I think probably the one that fans may ask about is Greg Jones. Obviously, tremendous talent, uh, top draft pick out of UNC Wilmington, but has had tough time staying healthy uh, and also has had a propensity with swing and miss. How did that decision come about, especially with all the middle infield depth that you alluded to? Yeah, Greg had a tough season. I think he'd probably be the first to tell you that. But the tools are still there. He is a special, special player when it's all clicking. He's top of the scale speed. He's an excellent defender. There's power in there. And he's shown the ability to hit. I think he'll be able to make the, the adjustments that he needs to make. And, you know, the, the tools are special. The pedigree is there. He's a great person who can really, I think he will learn from this year's adversity. And I think we're, we're demonstrating the faith in him by adding him to the roster. When you look at the other guys you have on the roster, though, now with Wander Franco and Brandon Lau and Taylor Walls and Vidal Brujan, etc., does he stay in the middle infield, Basabe being added to the roster, too? You know, those are those are decisions that are going to be made in the future. They'll be made in spring training in the next year. But as much surplus as it feels like we might have within our middle infield, you can never have too many players. You have, you know, three different middle infielders that need to play all at once with at third base. And we cycle guys through different positions and just trying to protect the best players possible and letting the positions work themselves out. Let's move to probably the largest trade you made just in terms of name, maybe recognition. JT Shagwa goes with Xavier Edwards, a guy you could have protected to the Marlins for two young pitchers. Uh, give us a, a feel for that move. Yeah, I think in that move, we saw an opportunity to kind of uh, add a couple of pitchers that we really liked to the system. Both of the, the pitchers that we acquired from the Marlins are young guys that are probably pretty far away from the big leagues, but it's important for us to continually have that pipeline. And in order to do that, you know, you have to give up good players to get good players. And Xavier Edwards is a really good player. Um, he's another middle infielder, and he's somebody that I think, because of our middle infield depth, we were a little bit more comfortable parting with him um, if we were able to get some pitching prospects in return. And then JT Shagwa had, you know, a tough season for most of the year, ended the year really strong. And I think it's another area where I feel like we have a little bit of surplus and just with the 40-man decisions that we have to make, being able to, um, you know, use him to get a couple of minor league pitchers felt like the right thing to do. He was one of two right-handed relievers that you did decide to part with. Shaguan, a trade, Javi Guerra, who did come along at the end of the year, a designated for assignment too. How much of that was the fact that you need a flexible roster and both are out of options? Yeah, that was a big component of it. The fact that they're out of options, the fact that we have to cut our roster down to 40 right now, it leads to really tough decisions. And both of those guys... They showed what they could do, especially at the end of the season. They've got really good stuff. I expect that they're going to land on their feet, and these are really tough decisions to make. Some of the other moves you made, Ryan Yarbrough obviously has played a large role for this organization for years. I don't know that it came as a large surprise that he was designated for assignment. Uh, my guess is with the tender deadline uh, a couple days away, this gives him kind of a head start. Yeah, that's the idea. 
Yarbs has been really important to our success over the last several years. And I think in an unheralded sort of way, he takes the ball in whatever role, whenever we need him, whether he's starting, whether he's opening, whether he's pitching in a bulk role and he competes, he goes out there, he gives us quality innings. And that's something that's really important, especially over 162 games. And that's something that wasn't lost on us. He, he was a really big component of what we did. We're going to miss him and he's going to pitch well for somebody else. And then the other uh, trades that you made, uh, Miles Mastroboni to the Cubs. You got a minor league pitcher back. Brett Wisely, who was Rule 5 eligible, went to the Giants for an outfielder who was not Rule 5 eligible. Walk us through both of those trades. Yeah, both of those were situations where I think we are looking to push that Rule 5 timeline back a few years and get kind of a younger player to keep that pipeline going. And in, in order to do so, we had to give up you know, Mastro was on the roster. Brett Wisely was not, but was someone who would be available in the Rule 5 draft if he were unprotected. And so we saw that as an opportunity to just kind of repurpose from our infield group to some younger players that we also liked. And then the last move you made was Bly Madras, who was designated for assignment. He was only with Durham for 10 games plus the playoffs. My guess, this comes down to just a numbers game. Uh, if he passes through waivers, is there a chance you'd want to bring him back as a, a minor league free agent? I think you're right. It is just a numbers game. And it's amazing to me that he was only with Durham for 10 games in the playoffs because the way that that group spoke about how well he fit in on and off the field was truly a credit to Bly and a credit to that group. He made a great impression, and I think we're hopeful that he can stick around. And then in terms of the big picture, you've got the the tender deadline coming up. Um, just a couple of days from now, do you feel pretty good about where you're situated now since you've got a full 40 man and then going forward, any moves you do have to make if you, um, you know, if you're looking to add via trade or free agency, you're going to have to make some room on the roster once again. Yeah, we feel good about where things are now, but it's an ongoing evolution, right? Throughout the off season, there's different deadlines. There's different things that we focus on at different points in the off season. And now that we get through this deadline and then the tender deadline up ahead, you know, I think we'll be able to focus on kind of more global things, larger moves, free agency, no idea what to expect there, but that's kind of the next step in the off season. Peter, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for walking us through all that happened over the last 24 to 48 hours and uh, good luck with the tender deadline on Friday. Thanks very much, Neil. Well, great to chat with the Rays general manager, Peter Bendix about the additions, the moves the Rays made going into the rule five uh, deadline and joining us right now, one of the five players the Rays added uh, in terms of that deadline. And that is Taj Bradley. Taj, congratulations. Yeah, thank you, Neil. What does it mean to you? And can you put it in some kind of perspective? Uh, right now, I mean, this means a lot. I mean, when I found out, I mean, just thinking back to 2018 when I was a 17 year old, just fast forwarding to where I am now, it's like, <laughs> I don't know, it feels like everything happened fast, but happy that I was able to accomplish a goal that I pretty much just, uh, just came about to having, seeing how I just keeping my head down throughout the minors and when this rule five year came up, I accomplished the goal, set myself up for a good season and everything else handled itself. How were you told? When did you get the news? Uh, I was told at what, five fifteen around that time. And Jeff McLaren was on the phone call and Jim Paddock, my pitching coach since 2019. And I mean, it's exciting to let me know, like the coaching staff, they told me about the coaching staff in the big leagues now, how it's changed and, um, 
how like you're a part of it. You're going to be a part of the 40 man roster and you've been added. And Jim Paddock was the one to tell me and just seeing how, I mean, all the work we put in together over the years, it meant a lot just hearing it from somebody who's been there every step of the way. So I think that was exciting. My mom, I put the phone on speaker so she could hear alongside me. She was screaming in the background trying to contain her excitement. So it was a good, a good, good moment. How important was that personal touch? And what does that mean to you, the way this organization handles that? I mean, I feel like it's very important. I mean, they could just tell you outright, but to understand that, um, like, this person was alongside you from a teenager to now and seeing the relationship you guys have had on and off the field, I mean, to add him alongside the phone call, they didn't have to, but they did, and I thought it was a, it was an awesome touch to the, to the moment. What was it like in the days leading up to this, Taj? Because I think most people did expect, based on your year, you were going to get added to the 40. It Did at some point, your your what, what was this whole wait like for you? I mean, the wait, literally, the anticipation happened on Sunday. I thought everything was going to go down in December. Because that's when I heard the Rule 5 draft happens, and I thought, okay, everything happens then. And my mom tells me on Sunday, like, the deadline is Tuesday at 6 o'clock. And that's when I was like, oh, like, wow, <laughs> like, I didn't know it was going to happen. So Monday, I had my workouts for the offseason, kind of just hung out at the field, talked to people, went to a movie. And then Tuesday today, I had nothing to do. So I was just at home all day. So I was trying to just, I mean, I guess stay occupied. Like at four o'clock, I just um, cleaned the kitchen, head to toe, every crack and crevice, got in the oven and everything, I guess to take my mind off of it even though I didn't realize it till my mom brought it up. Like you were, you were kind of like anxious, weren't you? So yeah, I was, I was pretty anxious. Yeah. So tell me you were anxious, even though you had the kind of year you had, I mean, you dominated in double a, you got all the way to triple a. I mean, I don't know what you thought of your year, but it seemed like a pretty good step forward. I mean, I thought it was a, a great year, obviously, but I mean, anxious and just finding out the news. Cause for me, I mean, the rule five, I didn't think of it as, if you didn't get out to the 40 man, it was a like a deficit or it's a plus. I mean, obviously like you try your best to like show value in yourself amongst the Rays, obviously a team who saw value in me out of the high school, but obviously to the other 29 teams, just in case, you know, you never know in baseball things happen. Like you may think it'll happen one way, but it could make a turn. So I wasn't just sitting on the fact that, they have to, they didn't have to add me to the 40 men, 40 men, but I mean, they saw value and they did. And I mean, it's a relationship we've had since I was 17. So for the most part, just anxious and hearing if I was, or, you know, if I was going into the rule five, even then I wasn't like worried, but anxious and just fine. What do you think that you learned this year in double and triple a, and how do you hope it'll help you get better next year? What did what did you learn this season that you think will help as you start to get ready for next year? Um, for the most part, this year, double A, I kind of just stayed um, to myself where I did last year. So I took from what I learned last year and implemented this year. And then going up to triple A, my first outing was good. I stayed true to myself and did what I did and then I kind of got beside myself so the dry work I was working on from 2019 to now I just didn't do at all for the most part I was watching other pitchers pitch throughout the week throughout the remainder of the days until my next outing and I was seeing them pitch backwards fastballs and 
breaking ball counts, breaking ball and fastball counts. And I kind of like thought, okay, maybe this is a, a new type of pitching I need to learn to have success at the higher level. And I just uh, got away from who taught who I was as a pitcher. And then, I mean, I sat down with my pitching coach, Reith, and he got me back on my dry work. And then it just went the rest of the way. I got back to pitching how I, you know, I built myself up to pitch, the pitcher I'm becoming. And it kind of took me the rest of the way, had success the rest of the season. And where do you want to grow for next year, Taj? What what were the things that you got out of it that, hey, these are the pitchers I either want to refine or these are the things I want to get better to be able to dominate at the AAA level and, and get to the big leagues? Uh, for the most part, I found shape in my curveball. And then I figured just learning from the rough patch I had and then the success going on later in the season is like all you have to do right now, Todd, is just capitalize on what you've been doing. So you may have to continue to do what you've been doing, but capitalize meaning um, like making that pitch is like not dire, but needed because I've learned at the higher levels, like if they're sitting on something, they're not going to miss it a lot of the time. So strikeouts are not hard to come by, but I mean, if a hitter sitting on the pitch, they're, they're going to see it and they're going to, uh, they're going to attack. So keep the same attack mentality and just refine yourself in pitches like strike to ball a pitch or, you know, in like three, two counts, you may have to throw off speed for a strike to, to fool a guy. But for the most part, that's pretty much the most. That's all. And, and physically, how did you hold up or how did you feel you held up? Are there any things like you've changed with your routine or are you looking to add strength in lower body? Where are you trying to grow, you know, physically for next spring? Now, I felt fine. So I found a routine that worked for me last year and I kept it going, even though I pitched later into the year and it, it worked. It helped me. I felt great every outing every day. I felt great going into my outing. I felt 100 percent. So, I mean, I pretty much found a routine that works for me physically wise. And now it's just, I mean, seeing how it was 150 game season this year going into the postseason. Um, I guess keep that. And if I need to make a little tweak somewhere, I'll do it. But along the way, but for now, I just keep the same routine. How about the mental side of things? How do you think you grew? Because I know how important that part of the game is and how devoted you are to it. Uh, Mentally, I've been the same. So I kind of like as soon as I leave the field, I take my mind off of baseball. I feel you're around it so much. You don't want to just drown yourself in it. And like I had the rough patch for a month in AAA and like, I didn't let it deter me. I kept my head strong. I like uh, anticipated the next outing and I didn't, I wasn't shying away from any opportunity to step on the mound. So for me, I felt like that was a big thing seeing how I haven't faced much adversity these past two years and to face it on a consistent level as I did. I mean, I took it as a learning lesson, not a loss. So I learned from those outings and it made me a better pitcher in the, in the end. I know how you love to journal. So what goes into the journal tonight? Uh, not Nothing in the journal tonight. Pretty much just keep it as a core memory in my mind, just everything that happened. So, I mean, sometimes journaling, it gets personal, but for the most part, just to have that experience with my mom, her beside me, and the phone calls I've made so far, the texts I've received from uh, family and friends. Uh, so that's just keeping it as a core memory, and I'm just going to always remember this. And you and mom going out to celebrate at least a little bit? Uh, not, not tonight. No, I'm, I'm in the off season, so I got workouts tomorrow. So that's number one. So we're planning for something for the weekend, but for right now, 
I mean, I'm still going to be kind of strict on my workout routine and be ready to get up at seven in the morning tomorrow. So the focus is, is to get better and get to the big leagues. <laughs> right. Keep doing what got you there. So <laughs> keep that train moving. Well, we're very excited for you, Taj. Uh, congratulations on being added. Uh, we look forward to seeing you at your first Major League Spring training. I appreciate it, Neil. All right, thanks for having me. That's Taj Bradley. Again, he is the race top pitching prospect, and probably no surprise he was added to the 40-man roster. He was one of two pitchers that was added. The other one was the Rays minor league reliever of the year in 2021, and this year working his way back from Tommy John surgery, yet still added to the 40-man roster. And that individual is Colby White, who's now with us. Colby, thanks very much for being on the program. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. Anytime I can get to talk to you is, is awesome, so I appreciate it. Well, tell me, first of all, what it meant to get added to the 40 men and, and who and how were you told? Uh, so Jeff called me, uh, Jorge Moncada, who's we call him Monkey. He's He was my pitching coordinator all through the minor leagues. He's actually, uh, I saw, I might be getting this wrong, but I saw he got hired as bench uh, bullpen coach, not bench coach, bullpen coach. Uh, I was on a three-way call with them. And uh, as soon as I saw the call, because I've been looking around, checking Twitter the whole day, and uh, as soon as I saw the call, I was like, shoot, did I just get traded because it was from a different state or whatever and uh, picked it up and it was Jeff. I was like, heck yeah. So <laughs> it was a good feeling. Uh, unreal. Just, you know, you think about stuff like this since you're a kid and then it happens and, you know, it's, it's a whole lot different feeling than just getting drafted. You know, that was an awesome one, but this one's just top of the cake, you know, so it's crazy. So what was it like this week for you? Um, were you thinking, Hey, I might get at it. I might not. I, because you're also going through Tommy John rehab while all this is going on too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I kind of had it in my back of my head. I thought I was going to get at it. Uh, obviously nothing, this is, this is a business, you know, nothing's, uh, for sure. And, uh, obviously they have to do what's best for them. Um, so, and I'm just thankful that they looked at me to, to be, you know, in this situation, you know, um, and trusting that my rehab's going the way it is and, and all that. And believe in me, uh, means a lot. And, you know, and they've believed in me from the beginning. So that's what's even more special, um, for them to draft me where they did and to go all the way to, uh, my fourth year in the minor leagues and then get protected. That's, that's pretty awesome. And I'm very appreciative. And it's a unique path considering everything that's happening. You get drafted at 19. Obviously there's no minor league season in 20. 21 you're the minor league reliever of the year and you go all the way from a ball to triple a so and then in 22 you're not able to perform because of tommy john surgery so very much a roller coaster like life yes sir absolutely lessons along the way the good and the bad you know oh yeah that's that's right how is your tommy john rehab going right now colby where are you at oh so i believe i'm around the if I'm not mistaken, right around the seven-month mark, six-month mark, I could be butchering that. Uh, time has actually flown a ton. Uh, like the first month or two, I was keeping track of the exact day, and as it's went, I've been able to do more. Uh, it hadn't been so long, and it and it is hard not being able to compete, but uh, I've learned to kind of compete with my body and, and uh, push my rehab as far as I can take it. I'm very thankful of uh, Joel Smith and everybody with the Rays, with the training staff, and how they've adapted with uh you know the hurricane coming through and us not still being able to rehab on site uh 
and he's been in contact with me daily. Uh, if anything comes up, he's always able to answer the phone and help me tremendously. Uh, and then, like, obviously I'm rehabbing now and back home, but uh, it's actually kind of like I'm with technology now. It's actually like I'm still there, you know. So um, I feel great. I actually had no idea that my arm could feel this good, which I guess I've never done all these things to help my arm feel this good. So, uh, yeah, I'm very thankful of how this whole process has went, and I'm looking very forward to the future and excited. So, What are you doing in terms of throwing? How far out are you at this point in terms of, um, you know, how many feet and, and when do you get off a mound? Uh, so I'm at 105 feet right now. Uh, I get back to that distance and throw about 15 throws. Uh, and then I throw three times a week right now. And then in February, I believe, I don't know the exact week, but sometime in February I should start throwing bullpens and uh, really start feeling like a pitcher again, you know. So very – very exciting because it doesn't feel like it's been that long ago. I had surgery and I'm kind of on the back half of it. It seems like so. Uh, yeah, it's it's a great feeling. I, I had no idea. You know, you hear people talk about Tommy John and some people have bad experiences, and I'm very blessed and thankful to this point and I have not had a bad experience with it so far. So, which I know there's a ton ahead and there's a lot of work to still do, but I'm I'm ready for it. I'm excited. From a, a physical standpoint, have you also gotten your body stronger? Are there certain things that you've worked on where, let's say, you're in better physical shape now, either lower body, upper body, than you were before the surgery? Oh, uh, well, I, I feel like I'm, me personally, I, I've kind of backed off of uh, like trying to work so much on upper half and just trying to get more mobile again. Because last off season, uh, try to get my upper half a lot better, which I, I was, I was you know, gaining flexibility and stuff with lower half too. But uh, I, my thing is, is just trying to do everything exactly by the book. You know, if uh, uh, I, uh, a medical guy with a raise, uh, athletic trainer, I, I should say, basically told me, he said, man, I'm not real big on pitchers doing any presses. So all through this rehab stuff, I just kept it simple. I'm not going to press, you know, I'm not going to do any bench and stuff like that and try to stay away from that stuff. You you mentioned the call that you got. Who did you call, by the way, after you found out you were on the forty man? Who was the first person you reached out to? Oh, well, let's see. I, I messaged my mom and my dad. I was gonna call them. My dad was at work, uh, which he probably shut down for the day. But I was actually working with some kids with uh, working with pitching a little bit, so uh, had to go back and and do that too. But uh, but yeah, I messaged them because that you know the first thing that comes to my mind is being in Foxworth, Mississippi and, and training for years as a kid, just dreaming about something like this. And then, you know, and I was like, well, I got to call my dad. I got to message him, I should say. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's the people I've, I've been in this whole thing with, you know? So it was just great to be able to send them that message. And, um, uh, yeah, it's just awesome. It's crazy. It's crazy. What baseball will do to you, man. <laughs> <laughs> Now, because you're on the 40, man, you mentioned because of the hurricane, and, and I understand they're not doing, you know, guys who are on the minor league side, rehabs down in Port Charlotte, which they normally would this time of year. At some point, because you got added to the 40, man, will you um, be able to rehab at Tropicana Field at some point, or what's kind of the plan there? Did they say anything about that yet? They hadn't mentioned it, uh, but hopefully so, you know. Uh, anytime I can be around them and, and get hands-on stuff, that's that's obviously uh, the best, you know, from my point of view to, to be able to. But, yeah, hopefully so. And I'm looking forward to, to kind of getting back with them and seeing, you know, what's the, what's ahead, you know. So 
I, but I had no idea on that. And I know you went through uh, a little bit of some of spring training last year before you had the surgery. I would assume even though you'll be recovering from Tommy John surgery, it will be nice to be around some of the other major league guys, pick their brains, learn from them a little bit. Exactly. Yeah. And, and my thing is too, there, you know, as a baseball player, there's a lot of stuff that happens like in the clubhouse, in the dugout. And I, I don't know if I'll be allowed in the dugout or whatever during the rehab deal. I don't know, you know, obviously that's, I have to figure that stuff out, but you know, just being able to be around those guys and getting that feeling like you belong out of the way before you're not thrown into the fire, you know, so to speak. Uh, I feel like that, that'll be huge, you know, and, and, you know, th there's different journeys for different people. And obviously there's going to be failure at some point, but uh, yeah, anytime you can talk to them and learn from their failures too, uh, that is awesome. And that, I, I appreciated all the guys I talked to in spring training this year in the, in the few times that I did throw in a big league game, being around them. And um, there's so much knowledge from guys that's been up there because it's not just one step up from AAA. It seems like it's, level 15 for some guys, you know, cause they've been there so long and, uh, and I'm, I'm really excited for that and to just get a different viewpoint. Cause that's, I feel like that's how you grow and learn as a pitcher. And you mentioned Joel Smith and how valuable he's been as you work your way back. Who else has been really helpful in the organization players uh, or coaches? Yeah. No. Uh, yeah. Joel, he's, uh, obviously he, he, he's done it a bunch. He knows it. Uh, and, so many people uh, are the people under him. They do a very good job, the trainers under him. And then just the coaches, you know, uh, you kind of feel like at some point in time, because you're not out on the field, you kind of feel like you're kind of left out. But what's cool to me is how many coaches message me through the year. You know, it was like, how you doing, man? How's the rehab? And that just shows you the, to me, the quality of how much they care about you as a person with the Rays organization. And then, um, you know, you get so many, you, you read stuff on the internet and you're just like, how do the ways keep, Rays keep winning and things like that. And from top to bottom, it's just, it's awesome to see that people actually care about you. You know, you're not just a number. You're not just the, um, even though there's 300 or 200 certain, you know, certain guys, you still feel special even at different points of time. So that's just kind of a motivating thing to, uh, to have that, that push to, Hey, we've been, we've been thinking about you and uh, we hope you keep doing well, you know? So well, it's great to hear that. It's great to hear that's the way they, they've treated you. And uh, obviously uh, getting put on the 40 man is well-deserved. We wish you continued success on the road to recovery and we look forward to seeing you in spring training. Yes, sir. Absolutely. I appreciate it. Certainly appreciate the time of, Raised 2021 Minor League Reliever of the Year in Colby White, as well as Peter Bendix and Taj Bradley. On a future podcast, we will have Curtis Mead. Obviously, there are challenges with trying to connect to Australia. There's about a 15-hour time difference uh, in that regard. So we will have him on an upcoming podcast. Friday is the tender deadline. Now, I expect all arbitration-eligible players who remain with the Rays will be tendered on Friday. So we'll likely have a blog post on that and probably one more podcast before we get to the Thanksgiving Day holiday. In the meantime, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for listening to this podcast, and we will chat with you soon.